Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the 32nd episode of The First Exchange with me, your host, Lydia Daydal. Uh, before we get into tonight's guest, uh, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who reached out last week uh, for PJ Gallagher's uh, podcast. Um, the response has been absolutely brilliant and hilarious at all. I'm laughing at all your uh, your comments and DMs and stuff that you sent since then. Um, my favourite one was someone who, who asked me to say that they got asked to leave uh, their office space because they were laughing so much by their boss. Um, but if you haven't yet listened to uh, episode 31 with PJ Gallagher, go back. Uh, I think it's a, a, so obvious why he is as successful as he is he was absolutely hilarious and also a massive apology to Tommy Tiernan because uh, we we cut the little edit uh, of the Tommy Tiernan uh, Guinness ad escapade or escapade and um, I think it got sent to him (laughs) so I hope he'll still come on this show um, and I now know that it wasn't actually Tommy Tiernan in the Guinness ad Um, but without further ado let's get on to episode 32 um, of the first exchange and I was joined by professional mixed martial artist Paul Redmond Uh, currently fighting on Bellator he's fought for all the major uh, MMA organizations that you can think of Bama, KSW, Cage Warriors the UFC, Bellator, uh, the list goes on. I think he's the only Irish fighter um, that's fought on all of them. Um, so it was really great to get him in. I've known Paul for a long time. Um, I've interviewed him lots of times for Fight Connect TV. Um, and he's just one of those uh, people and fighters that, you know, um, has such a great story. He's so interesting and is so down to earth and humble. Um, really is a pleasure uh, to speak to him every time. So he was in just to talk about his journey, um, obviously um, the latest results at his last fight on Bellator. Um, we spoke about his relationship with his coach Andy Ryan, family, uh, how he got started, you know, and we had a, a few laughs in between. So before I let you listen to the, the 30 second episode, just a real quick, um, obviously we're talking about uh, how many of you have been so supportive of the podcast with the DMs and sharing and passing on the episodes and telling us which ones you like and which ones are your favourite. We really do want to continue to not only uh, do the podcast but also to grow it and to um, expand. We've got so many ideas that we want to do um, uh, approach this year. One of them being live shows. Um, there's a big demand for live shows, um, uh, live uh, episodes um, with really, you know, exciting guests. And, and we really have great plans that we want to come together. So we've set up a Patreon. Um, and if you like what we do, if you enjoy the episodes, if you want to see more, if you want to see the first exchange grow. And if I was sat in a pub with you and you would buy me a pint, then please donate the price of a pint to our Patreon. Anything at all so that we can continue um, to grow. 
um, this podcast into something really, really special because um, we really, truly believe in the, the work that we're doing um, with this. And I think that you guys really do enjoy it. So what better way to show us that you enjoy it by helping us continue and donating to our Patreon. So all links will be on our social media. Uh, so please click it. And I have enough talking done now. So I'm going to leave you with the 32nd episode of The First Exchange with MMA professional fighter Paul Redmond episode 32 Paul Redmond how are you good good thank you very much for coming in yeah no problem well let's get to first things first how are we feeling two weeks post Bellator yeah but sure um, it was a bit more shy last week and then a bit more shy the night it happened but uh, yeah it's easy now a little bit now just uh, it's just one of those things Mm-hmm. That's MMA. If that's MMA. What has the feedback been like? Have people been reaching out to you? I've been just talking to some of the guys in the gym and um, obviously Andy and stuff. And uh, we've been sort of, well, myself and Andy sat down and um, we were just saying, like, you know, that that's, that wasn't a, a Red Dead performance out there. It was, it's not something like um, the first round went okay. I had moments in it that was pretty good. Like they caught a big throw in the in the first round, and um, uh, some combinations were getting off. Some weren't. Um, I let him kick me in the calf. He was he was throwing some calf kicks. My legs still haunt me now from them, you know. Um, mm-hmm. which he caught me with, which I should have been sort of checking. Um, and then the second round, then it was sort of over fairly quick. But we noticed that um, after watching the fight, um, and you noticed. I didn't, obviously, at the time. So Andy had said it to me after. He said, look, when you came in off the first round, even though he probably had won that round, he said, we couldn't... We were talking to you in the cage, like, on the steel, and we couldn't get, like, a conversation out of you. We couldn't get feedback from you. He said, you were just... Andy, we were saying, you were just saying, yeah, 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 but no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And I jumped back up to my feet real quick, whereas um usually I would be taking instructions, give asking a question back, you know, will I do the same? Will I go for the takedown? Will I you know and there was none of that and he said I didn't look right in the end of the first round. He said I looked very drawn and and stuff and we we were racking our brains then, you know, why is that? Because I don't I don't get tired in fights. Mm. That's not me, you know. I'm, a lot of my fights I'm laughing going into the third round because I know they're gone. Mm. I, d- I know they haven't got the stamina for, like like me. And then we just put just piece stuff together. You know why the performance probably went like that. You know I'm back sort of working, um, a minimum of say forty hours a week. Um, then you add in two hours travel on top of all that. Mm. Uh, hour 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 back. That's fifty hours a week. Um, now we did cut it down to three days a week. So even say you're you're, you're doing thirty hours on the building site. Then I was doing a night's work with DJing as well, which is probably another five or six hours. Then, again, you're not getting home for like three, three in the morning mm. on a Saturday, and probably not resting, it'll be up, um, doing whatever uh, on a Sunday. And then, obviously, the last couple of weeks, then you'd get up and you'd go for a run. And then, add in, so you're doing 30 hours on the building, so you're probably doing another between six or seven hours um, DJing at the weekend. That's... F- 40 hours mm. then I in about all your hours training every week then on top of that then we were adding in extra cardio sessions I was doing some stuff with uh, body track with Danny over there um, but I was coming from the building site 
afternoon, eight, nine, ten hours, whatever. I was going straight to Danny, doing another hour of fitness. Like just sprints, uh, road walk, all that type of stuff. And then going straight to the gym mm. and doing two hours there of sparring and MMA and nogi and jiu-jitsu. And for eight weeks, I was I was exhausted. Now when I say I, it, I, I, I was exhausted. And I, I just thought, I just, you know, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And that's sort of it. Uh, I, this isn't me making excuses for fights mm. or anything. I don't do that. Um, the guy, um, George Kakanyan, he took the fight on three or four weeks' notice. He stepped up a weight division. So there's no complaint on mm. you know, how the fight went down. Just me, from an outside perspective, when we sat back and we looked at it, I, uh, that's probably the reason why I was tired going into the second round. If he had me, if he had hit me with the same shot, and I, uh, if I hadn't been tired, I probably would have went out as well, or I probably, you know. So it's just one of those things. It's just it's an outside observation from us looking in after a uh, post fight. Mm-hmm. That's our sort of uh, that's our analysis on it. Is it tough to, um, in hindsight, to look back on that analogy or that circumstance and kind of say, you know, the work, the hard training, these were all just facets of life that you had to do you know that 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 has to be done in order for you to live the way you need to live or whatever it is or to train or to get your fitness up or whatever it is they all come together and they were meant to bring you to a certain point in the fight to get you the win and now you're looking back on it and you kind of go right well it didn't work like do you have to just put that into a box and just move it along like would it eat you up if you if if you have to sit there and go i think i think the more, if, if you keep dwelling on it, I, I mean, I think if you look at what um, we took from it, we took right, obviously all that amount you're doing isn't working. Mm. Can't be done. And he was saying to me, where are you resting in them days? I was doing three sessions on a Monday. I was doing a run or weights, gym, uh, nogi or jiu-jitsu or whatever, then MMA in the evenings. Then I'd be... I'd finish at 9 p.m. I'd be back up at 6 p.m. the next day. And that's finishing in the gym at 9 p.m. Then you got to go home, make all your cutting way food, have a shower, settle into bed. Or I'm, not, I'm not sleeping until mm. 12 o'clock at night. I'm getting up at 6 and 1 the next day. Mm. So I think I was averaging about six hours sleep a night. Um, that's not good for an athlete. Mm. You need eight, maybe 10 hours. When I was doing most of my other fights, I was doing my first training session in the morning. I'd have nothing on the rest of the day. I'd go home and sleep for two hours. Mm. I'd get up, I'd eat, go train again in the evenings, come home, chill out, sleep for eight, maybe ten hours. Mm. A lot of rest, and the results were evident. So just, I think if you can, if you can analyze where where you've went wrong or or what what we can do better, mm-hmm. I think if you can take a positive from that onto our next week, great. Then, then they stop dwelling on it. Then it only becomes dwelling on it if you don't take anything from it. Mm. If you just sit there and say, oh, we lost, oh, we could have done this, we could have done that. Right, so, so what? Mm-hmm. You lost, big deal. Take your, take your points from it, move on. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're going to do for the next one. You know, um, Maybe not the DJing on the head, maybe do, uh, maybe take four weeks off instead of a week off at the end, mm-hmm. you know, get really some training in, um, that type of stuff. So we'll 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 figure it out for the next one. We'll mm-hmm. be better. We'll be better prepared. You know, it's no one, it's no one's fault. You only realise this in hindsight. You mm-hmm. know, so.
And it is all learning, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? It's it's a learning it's a learning journey. Yeah, I think. Um, but I think, um, myself, I, I should have known a little bit more. I'm used to doing. I think that was my twenty fourth, twenty maybe twenty fifth pro fight. Mm-hmm. Um, not getting any younger, but I, kn- I know these. I know these things. I know the way my body works. It's getting a little bit harder to cut the weight mm-hmm. um, in terms of I've got to do it maybe three or four weeks now. I've got to do a full camp instead of being able to make weight on three weeks. I've got to do it for eight weeks. Mm. Um, I've recognised this the last maybe year or two, which has slowed up a little bit. Um, along with that, and then along with knowing where my fitness levels is and my strength levels is, and um, I probably should have recognised it a little bit sooner. Um, but look, it is what it is. Like you said, we all got to walk, we all got to sort of make a few grids somewhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just a le- I, I, I should be gone past the learning curve for that now. Um, but we'll, we'll, like we said, we'll take our points and we we'll move on mm-hmm. to the next one. And is the next one? Are we are we confirmed with Bellator? Will it be the next Bellator? Are you able to um, say? Or? No, no, no. Um, I've nothing signed at the minute. Like I'm still under contract with Bellator, mm-hmm. so it will be Bellator. I've got two more fights on my contract. Um, so maybe middle of the summer. Maybe I know they're definitely back here in October. I think. Uh, I don't know what date they're here. They're definitely back here in October. I don't know what date. Um, but maybe if we got one in before that, and mm-hmm. then doing it again in October, keep active then this year. Um, and then just. Like I said, just uh, manage things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. In the lead up to this fight as well, it seems to always in the lead up to you fighting on Bellator in the three arena, there's always a call for bump him up. He should be main event, co-main event. Yeah. Like in terms of you know what you've the graph that you've put in the the kind of I suppose the heritage of your career in terms of you know fighting for the UFC, fighting for Bama, Cage Warriors title, like all the major promotions that have been out there. Can you see or understand why people would be calling for something like that? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think, uh, like you said, um, a lot of fights for on all the sort of major promotions mm. um, out there. Um, people like seeing me fight, they like the style of fight that I do. But the thing is, um, I'm not a big, I won't be a big social media guy in terms of mm-hmm. pushing myself in, that I, I don't put up a lot of stuff on me on social media, like I'm not on the thing every single day. Yeah. You know, you might get one post down here, one post down there, and it might be from MMA, it might be my nieces or my dog or, me, mm-hmm. or, or something to do with DJing, mm-hmm. and fighting might be only come up a couple of times a year, so that's my own that's probably my own fault so on one hand I see where the fans and media members are pushing it then I also then see why maybe I'm not being pushed mm-hmm. for the main card so um, yeah that's that's why I think maybe I haven't been on but I know people are seeing me fight so and I'm fighting good top level guys mm-hmm. out there like that guy George he was a world series fighting champion uh, twice over he's fought everyone in, like, all the big names in Bellator uh, okay he got, dro- he got dropped in a, I think it was 8 or 9 seconds by AJ McCable that's a that's a flash knockout mm. nobody gets out from that AJ doesn't even get out from that yeah. you know that's bigger guy bigger range of guy through the right shot at the right time bang ping him mm-hmm. and he's out so well, George can't even take too much from that it's, you know it's just one of those that's one, just one of those quick knockouts Um. So, but doesn't mean he's any less of a fighter. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a fantastic fighter, you know, and he's got a record to build. So, um, yeah, that 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 fight I think should have been on my card just on experience level alone. But then, like I said, maybe I need to push myself a little bit more on social mm-hmm. media. There is an argument though there that you know, 
with the the budget, the marketing budget that Bellator have, they could, you know, make a frog main event yeah. <laughs> and it would sell out. You know what I mean? Like I think once you have the 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 once you're a good fighter and you're a fighter that people can get behind and there's something that people can get behind, I think arguably anyone could be main events. You know, if there was enough of um, a campaign put there. Well, you have to take it from a business point of view from Bellator. Um, they want somebody that's uh, on, on social media all the time. Uh, out there in the public they're pushing mm-hmm. themselves they're pushing they're doing this they're doing that I get that which is exhausting in itself yeah I get that as you well know? that's why I don't like doing it mm. um, Andy's, Andy's forever giving out you should be pushing yourself a bit more yeah. here you should be pushing yourself on, on, online a little bit more like that and I'm just like Andy I just want to fight and then, then it's just well then don't complain about not being on a main card or whatever mm-hmm. so I don't I just I just do I just do me then you know mm-hmm. but like I said it's probably no one else's fault. I probably should push myself a little bit more mm-hmm. to be uh, to, to, to be out there. Um, so that's why I don't give out about it, you know. Would you like a little bit more recognition in terms of like what you've achieved to date? Um, I think, I think getting to the UFC, I think it, it's the UFC, the whole UFC thing that I was just, when I was there. It's bittersweet. Okay, yeah, I made it to the UFC. I had two losses. I didn't. I never, I never got a win in the mm-hmm. UFC. Not to say I'm not a good fighter. Not to say that I couldn't have got a win. I was fighting at the wrong weight class, and I, I, I get that and and stuff. But I, I think people, um, I think think people read into it a little bit more than mm-hmm. like. Oh, What's your perception of what they think? Uh, I don't know. Like I, I think um, people. A lot of people say, "No, you fought in the UFC. Just don't do it." And all. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's great. And I made it there and all, but. Um, the, I can't think of his bleeding name. Um, what was the black guy that used to walk there? And isn't it? He used to shout, "We roll in!" I met, I met him before in Sweden. He, he, oh, he, flip! Um, uh, oh, I have a brain. Killed, I have him on my Instagram as well, and uh, he 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 used to do this big speech in the background, and you you go make way. Yeah. And we come in, everyone would get like a little fighter pack with like food and stuff. Oh, flip. I have to go, keep yeah, talking. I'll Google it there. there. And, I have um, to Google it. He'd say, Look, he says, getting to the UFC is the easy part. Yeah. Staying here is the hard part. So you can get in after being on a 10, 15 fight win streak. You get there, you lose two, you, you are gone. Mm-hmm. If you're gone once, it's even harder to get back in a second time around. That's why Robbie Lawler was gone for years. He mm-hmm. got dropped by the UFC. And then he went to Strike Force, and then he went on a. T- I just know he didn't go to Strike Force. One, Bert Watson. Bert Watson. I knew it began with B. Um, I was thinking Bernie for some reason. Um, Bert, Bert Watson. Yeah, um, gentleman, an absolute gentleman. Mm. But that was his speech. He would tell you it's hard to get here. It's even mm. harder to stay. And if you get caught, it's even harder to get back in. So that was just that was just the UFC. But um, yeah, I don't I don't really take too much away from my UFC fights. Mm. I mean, head smashed in off Mirsad Bekdic and me forcing. Uh, I caught a hell of a lot of weight to get there. Nobody knows what I went through to get there. Uh, only Neil Teary, Andy, and a good friend Keith Duffy were sitting in the sauna for two days straight. And when I say you're on death's door, you, like, we were wrapped up in, in, in um, uh, towels and stuff like that, like you do um, from the Friday night. I think when we landed there, it was like I was 77 kilos, and I still had to make 66. That's 11 kilos in two days. Um, so uh, if you put that in retrospect, it's 22, 22 and a half pounds, or tw- you know, 23 mm. pounds, um, and that's just water over your body. And we dieted down from 84 to get to that 77. But there's a stone, mm. there's a stone lost in either muscle, fat, whatever it is, forced, 
in the first week that we did or the first nine days and then you got to take another 11 out in just pure water um a couple of hours from the weigh-ins was when a it, it just got stuck on like 149 pounds and we were in there for like the, I think it was like three hours just mm. and it didn't shift one one if we had to just stop the three hours short and said look we'll take the hit I'd have probably saved myself three hours of sitting in a sauna because mm. it didn't budge not one ounce and not a point of an ounce did it budge in three hours and I just remember I was sitting on the I was actually Andy carried me out from the sun onto a chair outside and they had me wrapped up in about a hundred towels and this girl or an old man an older woman she's about 50 or 60 came in and she was saying oh my good god what's what's wrong with him is he okay and he says oh yeah he's grand he's just making way for a boxing match a boxing match that fella's fit for fit for a bed or he's fit to you know yeah the last thing he needs to be doing was going mm. boxing or fighting or whatever and she couldn't comprehend how I was going to go up the next day and fight Mm. but we did like I said got my head smashed in by Mersad which is a great and incredible fighter and then even for the next one then we, um, I, I, I just walk around about 82 kilos that's me walking around we, every day not fat not heavy not you know that's just me um, I started leaning out about 78 kilos and then we still had to do that big cut from 82 to 66 uh, for Rob Wyford did an amazing camp for for that with Joe Clifford. Um, he was doing all my strength and conditioning work uh, for that. Um, put together a great ten week camp. Got my body fat right down to f- like four or five percent. Um, and then like I still had to take out the last couple of hours. I still had to take out seven kilos of water. It was just I couldn't get my body fat any lower. Now it flew out of me. It absolutely pissed out of me. Like I made the weight no problem, but. You take a stone of water out of your body, mm. you eat a big left hand up, a guy who knocks people out, and you go down. Mm. So that's uh, essentially then my second foot in the UFC then. And then that was that. You get cool. So then you just move on. Oh, it's, it's like, I mean, what? I, I remember actually seeing uh, a photograph of you on the scales and just being like, how? Like, you just looked so... Horrible. I didn't even look like myself. You, exactly. You didn't look like yourself at all. There'll be people listening that don't even know what it's like to be to feel hungry to really feel hunger never mind know what it's like to be minus carbs for a certain amount of time to be minus water to be sat in a sauna to be in that uncomfortableness like it's not even it's not even hunger at that stage the hunger actually the hunger actually goes up it's a feeling of weakness you're not your stomach is actually no longer when you get to that point of you think you're cutting weight or you think you're, you know, you're doing that big, huge, massive cut. By the third or fourth day, you're not hungry. Mm-hmm. You'll eat something and you'll just move on today. It's the, you feel weak nonstop. And you still got to do probably a 12, 13K run. That's not part of your training session. That's just to, that's just to get the weight down. Then you got to go do uh, maybe a jiu-jitsu class. Then mm-hmm. you gotta go spar that evening. Then after all that's done, you probably have to skip for an hour. And then you've probably taken on about fifteen hundred calories that whole day. You've probably burned off maybe five thousand calories. No, nah, about I'd say about four thousand calories that day, or three and a half thousand even. Mm. So you're burning off two thousand more. Your, your deficit is in nearly two thousand of a day rather than the average couple of hundred. And when I say lightheaded, that feeling of fatigue, feeling of weakness, 
it's there, it's, in, it's on you, and then you think you're going to recoup, and you think you're going to get yourself right after weigh-ins, and, um, and it's just not there, when I went out and had the first exchange with uh, Mirsad, it just wasn't there, I just had nothing in me, I, I remember, I think I went in for like a lazy shot, or I think he pinged me once or twice, and sort of wobbled me, and I said, in my head, I was like, fuck this, I'm just going to go with a shot, shot, and he like got, Double underhooks on me, or one underhook, and like shrugged me off as if, as if I was like a baby. I just remember thinking in my head, I'm going to get my head better around here. And I had three rounds of it. Oh, we lasted three rounds. Mm. <laughs> can you take anything away from that? Like, nah, it's just, it's that's just one of them things. We came out with that and was like, look, we knew it. That's, that's just, we were here. Now we look, for it. Now we look, mm. look to see what the, where, we're, where we're at with the next fight. That was our entry to, into the UFC, and um, everybody. Everybody when they're coming up to MMA, well, when I was forced coming up, um, at the time that was the goal. Mm. Uh, I think I think uh, I think goals have changed now in terms of fighters mm. and what they're about these days. But when I was a couple of years back, or um, that was well, obviously when I first started, Bellator wasn't the brand it was now. Mm. Bellator was a massive brand now. It was. Uh, it was sort of it wasn't known over here at all mm. if you're a true MMA fan you would have known who all Hector Lombard now was mm. as he was the champ for them for years um, at Middleway uh, and then but you would have you would have always aspired to be the UFC and mm-hmm. then when it, that, why we took the fight was because of what it was mm-hmm. and that's the reason I cut all that weight we thought if we say no you're going to get They'll never ask ever again. Yeah, which is kind of pretty much true, right? I mean, like I don't know. I think I think if you're if you're that good, they'll be forced to uh, reconsider. Re, you know, be, like if you're still if, if say they say 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 they ask you, and um, say you tone them down. Obviously, maybe it was for a different weight class mm. that you're not used to use, and you stick everyone and say, "No, I want to fight a lightweight." And you go and you have five more wins. You have to say, well, hang on a minute. This fella's probably really good at lightweight. Mm. That's only a minute lightweight then. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just one of those things. But then if you get beat, then you put yourself back about eight damn months. Then you gotta, then you got you got to go on another four-month tear to try to get back somewhere. Mm. So it is, it is what it is, you know. Does it feel different? I mean, because of anyone, you probably have the most... Um, experience to talk about it in terms of a promotion and the lead up and the weigh-ins and the fight nights and d- does it feel different do you feel like you're at the UFC is there a significant difference between all the different promotions um I think Bellator is is is, is just as big if not mm. bigger in, in terms of what they do in they put on big weigh-ins mm-hmm. they, they put on the 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 uh actual weigh-ins first thing in the morning you come out with their media stuff nobody's there closed off to the public mm-hmm. everyone gets a little bit of fuel water into them they do a big media day down in um, in uh, whatever hotel they're at and they'll come and they'll do um, open weigh-ins at uh, say the tree arena mm-hmm. so they just be so it's like the ceremonial yeah KSW like. did it when um, mm-hmm. when we were here as well uh, never got it for Obama they did they used to do it in inside the hotel and anybody, mm. could, anybody could go down to the hotel but they would do a ceremonial way in for photos fans friends mm-hmm. whoever wanted to come out they were more than welcome it just wasn't on the scale that maybe Bellator put it on or the UFC um, KSW put it on um, Cage Warriors no um, 
we just done a couple of hotels, whatever hotel you saw the Indians come down to your weigh-ins. The, the weigh-ins are usually closed off to the publics and um, for them, which is fine. Um, to be honest, I think as a fighter, uh, you just want to get the, the this less is the thing. you have I, to do, the better. Do you know what, Paul? So many people, like, you know, friends and stuff that, that obviously... Um, don't know a lot about MMA or fighting, and they're, they're always, you know, cup of glasses of wine, and they're always like, What? You should tell me about it, and blah blah. And what, you know, they're trying to explain to them the fascination with it. And then, you know, they always talk about like the weigh and stuff like that, and like what happens in the process of the day and different things. And I, I just find myself thinking, like, it's the most bizarre because you're taking someone who's in probably the most fragile <laughs> like emotional state you know what I mean whether they've made weight or they're refueling or whatever it is tensions are so high on that day yeah. and then you're sticking you know a room full of media in there mostly people who have no idea what it's like to step foot on a mat um, and asking mostly ridiculous questions or questions that you've answered 95 million times before mm. and it's uh, it's, a, it's just such a, a strange environment fantastic but strange yeah it's fighting in general how is it as a fighter is it is it one of those things where you're like get me out here nah it's like i used to i used to struggle with it a lot i used to i, I just because i wasn't i i only got into this sport at when i, I think i almost started down in andy's team rhino mm -hmm. when i was 22 like for anyone that doesn't um know your background when you started like you the anyone listening that thinks that you know a fighter is born a fighter no. or you just kind of come out of the womb with like you know gloves on I ready to been, go I couldn't have been more you were very opposite. different right yeah i couldn't have been more opposite i was quite lad um i was always a bit fucking i was always probably a little bit odd and skilled you know what i mean probably, probably odd, just stupid stuff like it just uh were just you messing? Class, no, yeah class clown that's you know what i mean yeah. like not everyone's a class clown it was just uh, and that's why i ended up getting fucked out of school after uh my junior said did you, know you? I mean? yeah oh, i didn't just, know that yeah just just show you talking in the middle <laughs> of class and i wouldn't mind I, I had brains to born in school i started school i was only having this conversation with my mom last night um they put me into school when i was three Usually it's four or five. Mm. Now I turned four in October, late October. So I meant I was I started school on a train and I turned four in there, blah blah. So I just remember being in secondary sec secondary school and it was like the first week and like uh, everyone was doing like a two week trial of like what classes you wanted to pick for like three years and shit. Yeah, yeah. So one of the classes we were doing like was German and the teacher, I can't remember her name now, God bless her. Uh, <laughs> She's went around everyone. She's like, "How old are you? Where are you from? Blah, blah. Tell us a bit about yourself." She's like, "Yeah, I'm Paul, eleven years of age." She says, "No, you're not 11. <coughs> I says, "No, how old are you? I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm eleven years of age." Like, and she says, "You're not eleven. I said, "I'm eleven." But I had got really, really good entrance at my entrance exams yeah. to get into secondary school. I got into the top class. No way. At eleven. Like two years, everyone that was going down the class was like t thirteen, yeah. maybe touching fourteen. Like when I was eleven, I was at the getting into the top class, so I had brains to born. So that's what I sent me my last night. It was like I, back then, oh, did nobody recognised? Maybe that's why I was messing. It was just because I was a little bit immature. They probably just ha should have had me back a year or two. Yeah, Learn, developed me a little bit more, and I probably just. I don't know, cured cancer or something. I don't, you know, <laughs> probably I could have done. Einstein, so, the second. Yeah, moment. I could have done something more than being fucking standing <laughs> on a building site all the day. But uh, nobody <laughs> recognised it. I just, I just act, acting the bollocks and skill. And then uh, Sam was got, got really good grades. I'm doing that certain now, but they moved me down to like the remedial class. I'd say just because, just to get me out of everyone's hair. Like I was, yeah. I was 
reckon all the smart the other smart people's cla- uh, heads in, in class. So after my junior I said, uh, yeah, it just wasn't my So they kicked me out and went and done me a apprenticeship. It's, it's like that's so sad to hear, right? Because I instantly think of you know we can all remember like um, remedial class, or I can remember in maths and being basically told you need to go to pass maths and yeah. then you know ordinary and then like literally just like send her back to doing her plus and minus, and it, that kind of sometimes you don't really feel that you like that someone is telling you you're not good enough to be here so you have to go into a lesser at did you time, ever no, feel were you t- like at the time i didn't give a bollocks because i'm mates were down in one m and anyway so we just went down <laughs> there and messed with all them <laughs> you can remember one m they were all they were all in so we had a great time down in one m just messing with all the lads so what happened then did you eventually leave so, completely like what, yeah what, so what just after they just said called me marlo and just said yeah listen even we don't want him back here he's just it's just dis- it's disruptive in the class, you know. Yeah. Um, didn't they want like never bleeding, like smashed window. I don't, you know, stupid yeah, stuff. Just like, never young just, boy yeah, stuff. Chatting in class or you know trying to make everyone laugh and stupid stuff like that. So I came out there, went to the building sites, um, saved my time as a plumber. Came out there, I was finishing my apprentice really young, about twenty years of age, twenty one, making really good money. And then I was fucking out partying every weekend, mm. the usual whatever, what young lads do, you know. I was probably ending about fucking. Am I allowed to course on this side? Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I was probably earning about seven, eight hundred quid a week as a twenty-year-old. Give me money. Like. That's good. Pounds um, probably at the time, was it? No, not that late. No. <laughs> um, now, so uh, <laughs> what does that pounds come out in two thousand? Little lie. No, it came out my time in two thousand and eight, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we earned really good money and going on holidays with the lads. And out in the, you're in the, yeah. you're in the bills. Off. As soon as you finish, walk straight to the pub. Yeah, all the lads are there. Then be quiet enough on Friday, out Saturday night on a Madden, a few cure on Sunday, and then back to it on Monday onto the building sites. And then I just eating shite all weekend, chicken mm. filler, breakfast rolls every day, fucking crisps. And I just says to myself, I got, a, I got two years of doing that, and I just says to myself, that has to be more to life than just that shite, you know mm. what I mean? Um, Aren't you lucky that you, you question that? So, well, it's a funny story because then I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have found MMA only if I'd been on the building sites. So a good friend of mine, Peter O'Brien, he was uh, he, when you when you're saving your time, you'll sort of shadow a fitter. You yeah. know what I mean? He'll be like, uh, he'll have, he'll know, he'll have his save his time, whatever. He'll be just as little golf, I go with tilts, go with this, go with lunch, you know. And uh, he was a good friend of mine, and uh, yeah, he just said, "Yeah, but what's the OCO? You know, not go trying to have a lot of DVDs in the gaff." And uh, he just brought them in, the pride, loud ultimate knockout, you see ultimate knockout. So the likes of Chuck, Vandalay, Chuck going over the pride, Crow Cop, all those guys. And I just, I, I watched the force and I was like, this is bleeding deadly, mm-hmm. but it was only the ultimate knockout, it was the main actual fight. So you just see like Fader blasting through everyone and then Crow Cop head kicking everyone. And then I just got a little bit more into it. Then I started, I'd, I'd be, YouTube was only coming out at that time. and um, I remember uh, just YouTube and all fights and stuff like that. And then I started watching the fights and then I found UFC was on Bravo and I started watching yeah. it on Bravo. And then I'd be on the internet then looking at UFC.com, looking at all the videos on that and back on YouTube. And I just found myself just looking at it all the time. Yeah. I was like, this is really some cool shit. And uh, then I was, I was just asking around, is there anywhere in Dublin that does that? Like, I'm just, and I don't, I says, I don't want to be a fighter on it. Everyone started laughing. I said, no, I don't want to be a fighter on it. Because... I just want to go in there with a train. They're all in good nick. Yeah. That's the type yeah. of train they do. Yeah. Because I used to try, like, the likes of just standing in a gym, bicep curl and 
doing a little bit of squatting. I don't like it. I hate it. When I, any time I did it, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to eat properly. I didn't know how to train properly. I, did, I was following my other mates, and they had no fucking clue either. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. it, and nothing at the time, nothing had worked on me because I wasn't doing that right. So then walked into Andy's uh, gym. He was actually it was he was in a in a place in Baldur Industrial Estate, and we're actually moving out there today. We went down, and one of the guys had said, look, come back next week, we're in a new facility over across the road around Kabarik, and uh, more than happy to train down there. So I came around the first night they had sort of opened, they were still taking mats around, and so I jumped on the first class, and it was a strict, strict judo class, mm. and with no game, so I jumped on in shorts and t-shirt, ne- nearly, I think we were doing 90 minutes uh, grip fighting, and no I was, I was grip fighting with t-shirts and, and their gears, and I hadn't a clue what I was doing, and I walked out thinking to myself, what the fuck, that's a load of bollocks. Yeah. And I says, I just for whatever reason, I says, uh, I went back down, they were saying, I oh, know there's other classes, and I was doing the week, you might like it, and stuff like that. Went down the next day, and everyone's in shorts and t-shirts. All right. So then they were doing like a little bit of wrestling, and a little bit of nogi stuff, and I was like, oh, well, this, is, this seems to be a bit more of the training. Then I just found myself, so, uh, sorry, when I had first started, the first day I'd walked down, I think it was a week after my 22nd birthday, I have the date somewhere on the uh, thing, it's like the 30th of October, and, um, yeah, and then I just started doing the nogi, and then I uh, heard there was a boxing class on, tried that, then the wrestling was on a Saturday, and then I just uh, found myself in the gym nearly every night of the week, and then uh, every Saturday morning, and then what tends to happen then is it's a... It's a cumulative. What uh, when you go to a gym first, you might go out of shape. You might mm. be eating the wrong foods. You might be, uh, in a, just living the wrong, uh, 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 an unhealthy lifestyle. Mm. We'll say, uh, and I was, and I didn't realize how much of an unhealthy lifestyle mm. I was living till I went down. So, when you when I first went down, and then just even just getting to the gym, gone. That's your first step, and everything else seems to fall into place. Then you'll hear people talking about uh, what diets they're on or what, what, and what mm. they're eating. And, oh, did you read this book? And then did you read? Did you hear what this guy said about this diet? Then you start coming. Oh well, my diet shit. The minute what are you trying? And then then you'll try another little bit. And then you mm. might pull out. Then you're at home. You'll say, I won't have a pizza tonight. I'll have maybe chicken and broccoli. Mm. Was walking for that guy down there. He's in good shape. So then little habits like that would kick in. And then you might see a little few changes in your own body. You say, hang on a minute, this is this is starting to work. So then you pick it up a little bit more, and then, you know the way starts to come down, uh, whatever for myself. And it's just one of those things. Yeah, that's mm. why I've, I've had a couple of people say to me over the year. I actually had one, a friend of mine, uh, a DJ, um, just contacted me there the other day, and he was like, uh, you know, am, am I too unfit to like you? You do you started the jujitsu to lose weight? I said I did. All right, I'm gonna go to the gym to lose weight, to, and then I'll go to jujitsu. I said, why don't I just go to, we just cut, cut the gym out. And I yeah. said, you just go do jiu-jitsu and the rest will look after itself. Mm. But I'm not flexible. I said, look, don't worry about it. Mm. Just go. Yeah. You'll find you like it. <laughs> you'll play, uh, I find the, the really, the good thing I like about jiu-jitsu is, so me as a person, I'm I'm not supple. I can't kick people in the head like James Shane or uh, his brother Graham or anything like that. They nearly do the splits and it just yeah. he says it, it doesn't even stretch it around like that to, to, get, to get to that point. I'm about as supple as that fucking extensively right down there. <laughs> you know, brittle and I just can't do that. But I have a game that really works for jiu-jitsu and it's my game. Um, mm. 
and the next guy will be completely different. The next girl will be completely different than that. So you'll find just because you can't move a certain way, you will find how to move doing jiu-jitsu yeah. your way. Mm-hmm. So whatever whatever works for one won't work for the other. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's why you look at the likes of the Meow brothers. Oh, I couldn't do half of the shit they do. They're just like bendy fucking pretzels. Like they're just you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, that type of thing. So I just think it's really good in that. Um, respect that it just it, 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 it you can do it it works for everybody totally and it, i think the biggest takeaway that i found when i started jitsu was um that all the things that you want to happen like the weight loss like the fitness like the the kind of that'll all look after itself once you just keep showing up exactly the, even the mind stuff the release like the get escape in your brain mm-hmm. escape in your thoughts like all of that's happening in the background while at the forefront you're just enjoying jiu-jitsu yeah. Do you know that's the beauty of it, I right? I think, I think there's a there's a. Who, who did I have a conversation with? For here's one for you. Do you mm-hmm. find it hard to relate to people who don't do jiu jitsu? Uh, I just I just say I just think what are you doing with that lads? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just think, I, was, I do talk to lads even even. All right, so now now I haven't got an MMA fight coming up. I have no no fight yeah. currently booked. I have a jiu-jitsu match uh, in a couple of weeks on Kieran Darwin's BJJ Outlays. Oh, but yeah, brilliant. So that's uh, it, there's no sort of real pressure on that. Okay, mm. it's a big competition. It's for a belt and stuff like that. But I, it's, it's something you go out and enjoy. The only mm. like, it's going to be a tough match or whatever. But um, like my mates at work or whatever like that, or whoever doesn't do it, they'd be like, oh, do you not be bollocks in jiu-jitsu? I, say, oh, I can't wait to go jiu-jitsu. Yeah. It's like... It's not, yeah, you do be bollocks from it, and it, it, it's hard, and it's really hard, and it, mm. it's probably one of the best workouts you probably do out there. But I actually can't wait to go down it. It's it's just it's my favorite thing of MMA, jujitsu, in the gi, no gi, just go and roll, yeah. you know. And I think um, the idea of somebody trying to choke you unconscious or trying to break your arm, not break your arm, like get to get to to a point of where you have to tap over like that. You're so focused on that. Mm. In that hour and a half, you cannot think about anything else. Mm. So it's just a great way of, like that, if you're stressed with work, if you're stressed with family life, uh, money, just go do jiu-jitsu for an hour and a half. You will not think about your mm-hmm. stress for that hour and a half. And when you come out of it, you'll be that exhausted from it. You're not, still not going to think about it for the rest <laughs> of the night. You know what I mean? So you'll, you'll I always, I remember being asked before about, like, wh- you know, what the... Talking about the feeling of after you've had a really tough jiu-jitsu session where, like, you're almost in tears on the mat because of whatever reason, that you know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever's happening. But when you get home or when you're on your way home, like, you literally could be sitting on the couch in the house and it could be burning down around you and you'd be like, oh, I don't yeah. want to move. <laughs> the one, the, bi- the big move. one I got from that, the, like, do one of Andy Ryan's competition classes, they are fucking hard. Yeah. Like, even if you're even if you're competition fit, match fit, whatever, you go do an Andy Ryan competition class, you will not be the better of it. Yeah. You'd be better in in, in mentally for <laughs> it for doing it for just pushing through. But that's that old school mentality. Yeah, it's just you <laughs> gotta just do it. Just yeah. reach your teeth and just go for it. Yeah. Um, but I remember the day I got me brown belt. I was actually uh, I was out the night before on the drink. I, was, I didn't think I was going. I didn't think I was getting a belt. I, I knew there was a promotion the next yeah. day. I knew there was a promote belt promotion on Saturday, but I just thought I would just go up and battle the blue belts and they'll get purple belts or the white belts or whatever. You know, yeah, yeah, give them yeah. all a whipping at the end of it and be done with it. <laughs> so I was out there bleeding stupid o'clock in the morning, um, at like five in the morning or something like that. 
I think I got to sleep for like a couple of hours and went up, jumped on the mats, and they were doing like passing guard drills. And it was there. I was like, yeah, I was, I was hung over the bit. But like I said, I didn't think I was going for um, like a belt or whatever. And uh, they were doing these passing guard guard drills, and so I was sort of beating everyone um, passing guards. So I was on my back, so I was out there nearly forty five minutes. I was bollocks, I was wrecked. And then we came in and then they were doing something else and I was holding me on there, doing whatever I needed to, I think it was half guard or something like that. And then it, it was like, um, he just started calling people out, calling people out to the mat. Out. I was already on the mat. He was like, all right, do you stay out there? So I was like, all right, no, but it turned out to be an hour and a half Ironman. And I, I just came up, when I finished up, I said, what the fuck was that? Like, why am I doing an Ironman? And he called me out with a brand. I was like, all right, but, I was fucking exhausted, like exhausted from being hung over. Uh, and I just remember that. I can think being, of nothing worse, to be honest. Yeah, it's a, it was e- a even with a ha- even doing a class and a hang- and a hangover is actually oh, disastrous. So when you got your black belt, yeah, what taught me through that moment? Like, what was the feeling? I can't even imagine um, that day. Yeah, Rodrigo had been over, has been over was over that day or the, the, that week he'd been doing a couple of seminars so for anyone who doesn't know he's the sort of head instructor mm-hmm. of BJJ Revolution and he's uh, Jiu-Jitsu affiliated with them with Team Rhino and then the Jiu-Jitsu sort of BJJ mm-hmm. Revolution um, so Rodrigo comes over once a year does a couple of seminars in the Re- uh, Revolution gyms which would be Tim Murphy's um, Fergus Quinlan's Andy's um, a couple of the guys up north Peter Labby and stuff mm-hmm. So then we knew anytime comes over there's gonna they do a belt promotion. She was during the summer or early 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 summer or late in the year. It's one or the other. And uh, we knew we was coming over and uh, obviously getting a black belt is a is a big thing. So mm-hmm. I didn't think I was anywhere near. I did, I, it, it just didn't pop into my head. I didn't think mm-hmm. I of it. Um but I remember I, I had won a match on Polaris um against a really good guy who had been winning everything at the time, Craig Yours. Still winning everything. He seems to be winning the... I think he won the Nagas here that year in, in the UK. A couple of good competitions and he was a black belt and I went over and I, I gave a good account of myself over there. I, I won the match. Um, and uh, But again, like... I, uh, that had just happened. That had happened like a couple of months prior. But again, I, I still want like to me. This is why I was I was thinking like after I got the black belt, maybe that's why I got it. But yeah. I wasn't thinking I was getting one that day. Yeah. So then they had d- did the belt promotion and like they had called up and they says, "Give us land your brown belt for a minute. I want to give it to Ron from Gillick." Classic uh, Andy Ryan. Yeah, but like I thought I had like a, uh, I thought my brown belt was in the car yeah. and then I was like I despair when I got two or three. Yeah. And um. I wasn't, so I said, like, just take that, and, and I threw over them like that, so then he called it Ronan, and uh, he got his brown belt, so I think I had a white belt on me, I think I grabbed somebody's white belt just to throw it on me, like, yeah. so then uh, Rob, Robbie Brennan was handing him all the belts throughout the, the things, with a big sort of stack of them there, so next to what he reached in, in, in the inside of his jacket and pulls out the black, and everyone was like, you, yeah. who, who's getting this <laughs> yeah. bad boy, you know what I mean? So I think I was chatting shit to like, I don't know, do, uh, no, not do, uh, the butcher, Keith and James Shane or whatever, and I think I had like, sort of me back, half my shoulder turned, and I wasn't even looking, and a white belt wrapped around me, like, starts tapping, it's just red as a group here, and then I was like, what, what the, nah, and then he's like, obviously, just go collect it. And then, like, I was nearly in tears collecting it, yeah. Um, it's 10 years of hard work. Um, it's probably the most frustrating, difficult 
most enjoyable, funnest thing mm. I've ever. It's 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 a it's a weird one. But yeah, that's that's my black belt. I anyone that's listening that does jiu-jitsu will know exactly what you mean in terms of like the as equally difficult as it is enjoyable. Um, it's frustrating. It's so so yeah. frustrating. It's like when they're picking it up, say a white white belt or a blue belt, um, and say. Andy used to be showing us because Andy can move really well. He's mm. like, he can go upside down. We can do a splits, walk on his hands. Yeah. He's, he's supple. He's good. He's got like he's really good. But I remember um, when we were when I was a blue belt, I think, and he used to show. He had got. I think he. I think he had got a DVD of his friend Jerry O'Grady. I actually ended up borrowing the DVD and I lost it on him. Um, and it was from Cyborg, and Cyborg invented this thing called Tornado Guard. Yeah. You have to invert and go upside down with it. And he was just—he was showing me real like it was nothing to him. And he was like, "Oh, you just do this, grab the sleeve, bang, 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 bang." And I couldn't comprehend it for about eight months. And I was like, "Like, what, how am I meant to get that?" Like, and I just—I remember drilling it and drilling it and drilling it. And I wasn't even drilling it because I was doing it wrong. Yeah. And I still—I don't even think I can still do it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it was just one of those things. I just couldn't comprehend the moves um, being shown to me at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was just so—I just remember being so frustrated and just not wanting to do it yeah. be like oh I just can't do it just do something else you know what I mean but then you try and go back there and go back there like, like yeah. I said I still can't do it proper so it's still frustrating but it's enjoyable you know what I mean absolutely uh, can we talk about Andy for a minute yeah. um, probably one of my favourite interviews of yours is post interview I think Niall McGrath had interviewed you um, which for you um, not this one the one before mm. uh, the one where you were Charlie Leary Oh, when I was uh, running and crying like a big baby. I was going to say a little bit emotional. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was the most, like, I've known you for years, yeah. do you know what I mean? And uh, it was the most, like, raw, honest. I, I was in tears myself watching it because of, like, obviously known both you and mm-hmm. Andy and the team and known how much has gone into just everything and your own story that I was like, what a moment that was captured. It was really, really special. How has Andy's influence, I suppose, influenced you yeah, since you started this journey? Yeah, if it wasn't for Andy, I'd say I'd be still kicking rocks or still mm-hmm. fucking um, just, uh, how would I put it? I wouldn't have pushed myself mm-hmm. as much as I did. Like, I loved it. I loved doing MMA. I loved when I really started it. And, um, and getting into it and stuff like that but like alright so when I first started um, I used to be a little stoner mm-hmm. like, I used to be smoking green every every day fucking smoking like like I said you were earning really good money a week you need to spend your money somewhere and yeah. you don't receive you smoking joints joint after joint joints mm-hmm. and I remember I remember used, used to be walking into Andy's stoned and then I'd come out and I'd have a joint and I'd just got stoned going home and then I remember asking for you know, I was just curious about about fighting and then ha- about how to get into fights. And he says, "Let me just stop you for a sec. You need to stop all the smoking, green, and going out on weekends. And so, if you, you want to fight, you come back to me in a while, and we'll have a look about it." And like I said, that was along with your diet and your stuff like that. That was another thing. You you, you stopped doing all the negative st- uh, stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knocked I knocked all that down on the on the head. And then I'd taken a few fights and um, 
after the fight, he would go back to doing what you were doing. He'd cop and he'd pull it up on it again. He'd say, you know, snap it over or whatever. Then you would for a couple of years, a couple of months, and then uh, he'd, he'd get you matched and he'd get you matched and he'd be fighting away. And then say he's a good way of keeping the keeping lads in check. Like would be back then, I would have been. You would think once you're done your fight. Mm-hmm. Right, you can go party now, come out now. And he'd ground you, he, he, he'd, he'd bring you back down to earth and he'd, t- he'd have you booked for an ex- for an RFI so quick. Mm. So you couldn't have that chance to go yeah. party. Um, and only for him, I, I don't think, like if, if I think two years running, n- not back to back, there was a year that I had done seven fights in a, as an amateur. Well, it's not that big a deal as an amateur, but uh, for, uh, for all my fights, I would have been, I'm fighting at 70 kilo, mostly mm. 70 kilo, so it's sort of a big enough wake up for me every time I do it. Um, but he had me fighting seven times that year, and then a year or two later then, I think the year or two in pro then, he had had me doing mm-hmm. seven fights that year. So I didn't, ha- didn't have a chance to go um, out drinking, uh, out pa- uh, partying, out smoking green. Out. I didn't, it made me change my mind and made me see what training was and mm-hmm. and what the athlete lifestyle was and only for him I don't think I would be the person I am today mm. if that makes sense yeah. um, so I would be for, forever grateful to Andy for, mm-hmm. for steering me in that direction you know what I mean um, because I, I didn't know what it was like I said I took the, I took up the sport when I was 22 um, he was leading the way he was, it, it was, it's his gym um, and he had done it he, he's been in judo I think since he's about 5 6 years mm-hmm. of age so he knows what it's like to train as a as an athlete, the the the, the commitments you need to put into it, the hours you need to put into it, and I didn't realize, even when I was an amateur, what it does take to get that. And it only took me sort of till I was halfway through me, me like till I got a good few fights in, mm-hmm. even in my pro career to like to say, right, well this is the way I had to train. It's 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 he always he always says it, and he always used to say it about living the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You got to eat and breathe. You got like. You gotta get up in the morning. You gotta, yeah. You're eating health. You're eating good food. Mm-hmm. You're out running. You're out. You're watching your weight constantly. Yeah, yeah. You're just on it. You're just mm-hmm. on it constantly. And only, like I said, only for him, I wouldn't know what any of that was. So, um, it's a big influence in my in, in my whole sort of. I'm older man now. I'm totally trained now. So I told my life. Mm-hmm. He was big influence all the way. You know. Can you remember a moment um, in in that the, the time that you've been with Andy where you you've, you could sort of something clicked or you recognised how strong a bond that you had and how important the role that because it is almost like it, it's it's coach and student but it's also a very much a father son role as well yeah, like you, look, you have a lot of trust with him right even take even okay so I'd start through the MMA with Andy um obviously you get to know and get a little bit closer to them over the years because mm-hmm. okay. You become friends and stuff like that, and um, and I'd see like me and Andy go for lunches, breakfast together, sort of do do a lot together, you know. Um, but it's uh, away from the gym as well. He, he gives you really good advice, and um, he sort of just he steers it in the right path. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, all right, so I'll give you a quick one. Um, only happened recently. Say sorry, so I'm back on my tills now. The last year, making sort of good money again. Um. I uh, wanted to treat myself to a new car. It broke me foot. Um, when I had me, when I was injured last year, I was like, "Fuck, I have a few quid there. I'll just, uh, I want to get a new car. I want to treat myself." So I was down. He bought. He he had bought uh, his car out. This nice place. It was close by us. 
and uh, I went down. I wanted to buy a big BM4 series. Um, fucking it was like a one four two model, whatever. I don't so drive. I have no idea. It's last on me. Yeah, so it was like twenty two grand, or twenty three grand. The car was worth. And I went down, had a look at it, put all the bleeding papers through for finance. I was waiting to get the call back or whatever. Often, so he rings me. I rang him. I says, "I'm down here looking at this." He says, "Send me a photo. Send him a few photos." He rings me straight away. So what do you want that for? I says, "Cause I like it." She's not gonna fucking use it. She's gonna drive to a building site out in Stalag and all that. It's gonna sit in a fucking car park for ten hours. And you're gonna drive home. What the fuck do you need a bleeding BM4 series for? She wants to get something small, practical. He says, "Give me a minute." So then he rang a friend of ours, Keith, and. Uh, or debate with each other and Keith got on to me then he says Andy was saying you're looking for a golf I says nah. uh, it was him and Han but yeah golf be nice and leave it with me two minutes later it was like, my husband there we go down then the three of us went down together I looked at the golf and that's the car I'm driving now so just little things like that mm. you know you d- like I, th- I think the golf was like half price, uh, half the price of the, the BM. So it saved me like fucking, and I love it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's probably the best car I've ever had. You know what I mean? So just little things like that throughout the years, um, that happen, habits that you won't even remember. Just li- even little things yeah. like that, or um, the likes of paying your own taxes and stuff like that. Yeah. Put me, pu- puts me onto like um, uh, his account. His stuff. M- yeah. brings me down, introduces me. You know. He's a good friend of mine, that all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So not being ripped off, that, you know, just just yeah. little things like that. So he's always looking out for so I always, I'll always appreciate it, Andy, you know. Uh, your mom. Yeah. She's such a. You're trying to make me fucking rock. Oh, cry my eyes out. You, yeah, you know what I mean. I can see you tearing up, and I'm gonna <laughs> no, go as well. I cry on every episode here. Can't leave unless you cry. But we have to talk about your mom because she plays a massive part in your life, go. right? You're going nowhere. She does play a massive uh, uh, role in, in your life. She, you this have her. My, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. But listen, Reda, there's there's young friends out there who don't look at their man in that high esteem, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, she's you, she celebrated a birthday recently, did she? Did I see last week, up? last um, Saturday, uh, I won't tell you how old she is because she's been punched Don't, in the face happy birthday, anyone. Denise, mm-hmm. from everyone here. They walk into a frying pan or something like that, <laughs> bang, when I walk through the door. Yeah, might break all the, out the old wooden spoon and rattle the legs on. <laughs> but listen, did she, in, in, in this journey, was there ever a moment um, that she stood back and said to you, like, you know, I'm so happy that you started doing in this? In what, MMA or in life? Yeah, well, I mean, like, it, it, it all kind of comes together, isn't it? You know, like, I mean, if it, does she ever look back on that, you know, 11-year-old who was down in 1P no, or whatever, I tell, I tell 1M? You, as, <laughs> as a, as a young player, I was always a little bollocks. I always mm. was. Uh, she'd tell it herself. <laughs> um, for, I think from the minute I fucking came out, I was... Balling my eyes out, screaming, like screaming the gaff down. And she, she says, I didn't shut the fuck up till I was 18. <laughs> That's what she always says. Um, but like that, I was a little bollocks in the house. I think I, used to, I think I started drinking when I was like 13 years of age. I just wanted to rip all the lads. Three cans of Dutch gold, thinking about Ray falling all over the place, coming in, getting a rapid and reading one building across the legs. It is what it is. So uh, my dad didn't live, was, uh, I, think, I think I was bleeding 11 years of age or whatever. No big deal, it happened. But there was four of us in the house, and uh, look, I mean, my sister has a, a baby now, Faye, mm-hmm. and my brother has a baby, Sophia, and they're my two best mates. But I, I see how hard it is with them. Mm. Not hard, like, but it's to bring them, uh, to raise a kid, a child is yeah. is, is hard. It's tough going. To raise four is fucking, <laughs> is insane. And yeah. she did it 
we're not one of us get ever getting the guy to call to the door. She did it with fucking. We never had with the best. I always had the best of gear on us. Mm. Never missed Aunt Christmas. Never missed a meal. Never missed. Never without like without a roof over our heads. And um, I I genuinely I've sat up and thought about it. I've talked to her about it. I've thought about it on my own. And I says to her, "How the fuck in God's name did you even do that?" That's that's nuts. It's insane. Mm. She she walked as well on top of this. She was doing like eight o'clock to say two o'clock, and she'd fly home, pick me up. No, pick. I should be in the house or whatever. From all of us coming up from school, she'd have dinners ready. She'd have help us with our homework. She'd be back up. Uh, she'd go. She was actually she started kickboxing as well. She ended up being coming a black belt as well um, in kickboxing. I did hear but this. She'd, she'd yeah. done all this on her own, raising four kids, and I, I, it's she's, she's my hero. Did she give you an answer on, on how she done this when you no, asked her? She says, I can't remember about 10 years when I was growing up. She says, I just, it's gone out of my head because I was that busy. Mm. I, I can't remember it, she says. It was just because my older brother was told then. I was 11. My sister was nine. And my younger brother, there's a big gap between my sister and my younger brother. I think it's about eight years. So, sorry, when my uncle left, uh, I think my youngest, bro- my younger brother was only one, or mm. maybe one and a half. So she had, she had a bra- she had a newborn there as yeah. well. On top of all of us, on top of this little bollocks going out drinking every weekend, and like my older brother never saw the act of cactus um, till he was older. <laughs> Neither did my sister. You know they waited till they were um, allowed drinking in the house. You know when you're sixteen, I have like two or three bottles with their friend. Yeah, that wasn't me. You know, I was, <laughs> I, was <laughs> I was out smoking me green. I was out fucking uh, just drinking. But again, I was never bringing Garda to the door. I was just wanted to go out and do whatever with yeah. my mates. And um, yeah, when she used to catch me, she would get the wrapper of wooden spoon across the legs, a little bollocks, you know. Yeah, and, yeah go down. This. But the worst um, punishment she gave me, and I, always, I, said it to her, I said it to her a few times, I committed lockdown in my head one night on four cans, you know. It's not even, it wasn't even that much. <laughs> but I think I was like 14. So uh, I came in and I was like, yeah, I'm going to bed. I, I think I'd opened the, opened the door. I was like, yeah, I'm going to bed. So I legged it up the bleeding stairs, got into my bed, and I was like, fuck, thank God, oh, I'm home free. Because usually you would stay in one of my caps or something like yeah. that, you know what I mean? I'd stay in the bleeding field upside down in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> you just go back the next morning and say, yeah, I was around the stairs the, 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 the last night. Um, <laughs> so she came up about 15 minutes later, and I genuinely thought I was home free. She knocked on the lights. She says, you were out drinking, weren't you? She says, no. Looked at her cross, I wasn't sure you were drinking. <laughs> she says, if I catch you going downstairs for a drink, I'm going to murder you. She says, I'm going to come back to you. So I couldn't, go back, I couldn't go downstairs for a drink for about, I would think I came in about 10 o'clock. And then couldn't go down the next day to about 10 o'clock the next morning. And when I say my mouth was like the Sahara Desert, <laughs> it was the worst punishment <laughs> I have ever got me whole entire life, you know. <laughs> For it's one of them things. Uh, Did you stock up in the bally gown under the bed from there on in? fridge in my room now in case he does it again, you know what I mean? But listen, I have to ask, when you mentioned your dad there um, in the same breath, he says, oh, it doesn't matter, that's it, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. Is that how you process a lot of emotion, will we say? Uh, in terms of what? Well, I mean, in terms of your dad's... Um, not being there when you were growing up has That's it do you choice. ever felt like it has affected you no not one bit i think uh, i think if you dwell on it too much again if you dwell on it too much sitting around yeah gaff thinking oh why didn't some person want to stay here 
who gives a fuck? That that's it was that was his choice. Best of luck to you or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you know. Actually God rest him, but um he's dead now. But uh no I never I never sat back and thought I, I just thought I always thought that's why I have that's why again where I hold me man to toy regards, not not just because of that league. Um it was because if she wanted to stay there was mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that's just that's just the way oh yeah. Or I, I see, you know what I mean? It's not a big deal. When we, when when you say that, and then when we look at the relationship that you've had with Andy, do you yeah. think that maybe if Andy hadn't have been your life, that maybe that 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 outcome that you have, or the way that you think about it in that situation, that it could have been different? I think, um, I just think my life in general would have been different. I think I I, I think I just would have, um, I think I would just like I wouldn't have found I wouldn't. Obviously, I'd went down to train to the gym. But say I never went down to the gym, I wouldn't have never met Andy. I wouldn't have never been and pushed towards a better, a, a better train and a better that type of sort of mm. mentality and stuff like that. So I probably wouldn't. I probably would have just been a, a still a riphead. Like I wouldn't go out from one end of the year to the next nowadays. Mm-hmm. We have if it's a big occasion with the lads or a big bank holiday or something like that. And you've no fights booked. Yeah, let's go out and have a few drinks. Great. But I haven't drank. I think my last night out was. Me work night out at Christmas. Mm-hmm. I didn't drink over Christmas because I knew the, the fight coming up. I didn't want to. I didn't want to start camp, sort of feeling shitty or anything like that. Or I, where you have to get fit. You know, I want to start camp mm-hmm. first. I wouldn't have a drink over Christmas. I still, I, I haven't had a drink after me fight. I don't. You know, it's not. It's not a big deal. Like I said, I, I'll rock up to the gym and jujitsu. You get a buzz out of jujitsu. Mm-hmm. The average person doesn't know because they don't do it. So they get away from. They're stressed, their um, lives, whatever's going on, bad, good, and different. It's probably a few drinks at the weekend, a bottle of wine, or mm. you know what I mean. That's yeah. man, that's 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 a lot of people do that. And it's um, look if that's yeah, get away, and that's what you want to do. More power to you. For me, just go and do a bit of training. You know, mm-hmm. you're very emotionally resilient, though, aren't you? In terms of, we've well, got, you've got a very not only uh, well, I mean someone's <coughs> probably listening going like well he's a fighter and that's what but it's not just like from a, a mental strength in terms of being a fighter but in general you seem to have a very you're strong minded strong willed it, it seems like um, you just kind of I think I know it's sort of getting a, I think I've always had that even as a, even as I was young for that, you know Andy always jokes that I rocked into his gym with a skateboard and I packed the, packed the monster much <laughs> and that's, that's the joke Um but I did used to do a lot of skateboarding and, and rollerblading and BMX and all. I, I used to be really good at it. Then I, and I, I don't like things. I don't like things getting the better of me. Mm-hmm. So I, if I try something and, and I like it, or I'll stick with it and I stick with it. And I just have that t- type of personality that if I'm if I'm doing something, I, I, I want to do well at it. You yeah. know what I mean? If I'm, uh, I'm I, I, I try not just to do it for just the sake of it and just to kill an hour. Is it to do it? It, it in terms of like the mindset? Is it? I want to do well at this or I want to be the best at this? Um, but I had never taken up fighting. Again, I didn't even know I wanted a fight mm-hmm. until, even when I was doing my amateur, I didn't know, I, I had no expectations of even going, pro- first of all, I had no expect, uh, expectations of going, um, of taking up one fight, mm-hmm. amateur, but whatever. Then I had taken maybe 10 of them and then I'd never expected to go professional. Mm. Then I've never taken twenty five of them. I'm, I had never thought of a UFC even entering my head mm-hmm. from when I had watched it, but I ended up there. 
I never thought of it, but I ended up there. So I don't put things on, I don't put, I do put goals in front of me, and when I'm training, I'll say, all right, now, okay, now there's a real, when we were in the middle of Cage Warriors, um, and we were at the, um, I think it'd be seven guys at the time, sort of one after, I went seven and oh, and yeah. then I got B, or, you know, um, when, I, when I was on that thing, then the UFC became a goal, because you're like, all right, well, we're doing really well here. Mm-hmm. Then people start getting signed around me, Neil Cleary, Connor, that type of stuff. So then, then it's an attainable goal. Then you're like, wait, no, that is. So I don't think goals are as clear. Some people, for some people, yeah, you know, you might take a uh, somebody might take a boxing uh, four years of age and say, right, I want to go to the Olympics, and he'll make his business to make it the Olympics for eighteen years. I never had that because I didn't. I only took up the sport really late, so mm-hmm. I, I don't think goals have to be long term I think they can come in at any time but mm-hmm. that's just my own opinion um, but yeah for someone who is so goal orientated do you ever worry or does fear ever set in for when the day comes where you have to hang up your yeah. gloves yeah um, I think uh, I've thought about it a couple of times um, we've, me and Andy have had conversations about it um, I, I don't I don't want to be that type of fighter where they go past it and go about eight losses. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just fighting for out of money or you just want to do it and the results aren't there so then people are using it as a stepping stone and that type of shit. I don't want to get to that point, you know. Um, I think if the performance starts, uh, don't come, mm-hmm. um, then you look, you reevaluate things. Um, but then you're just, you're just going to have to make new goals. But I think... Once my MM, once MMA stops, I think I'm like I'll always do jiu-jitsu, always, yeah. and I'll always help the lads in the gym, be either help Andy um, teach a class or mm-hmm. do no gi with them or whatever. I'll always help the lads in the gym mm-hmm. with fights, or I, I do tend to help them all with weight cuts. They all fucking ask me about weight cut advice, um, and I'll do that for them. And then, uh, but I'll always do jiu-jitsu, and then. Uh, like I said I've got a big match coming up there in a couple of weeks um, so I'll take a couple of more of those and I'll get a bit more active on that scene um, when I can't do that anymore I'll do the IB Jeffs and I'll you know but, so there's always there's mm-hmm. goals past MMA I think uh, I think if you're hung up on just doing MMA I, 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 I just I don't know I wouldn't be into it you know, I wouldn't be into pa- fighting past my prime and stuff mm-hmm. you know but I have goals past I have other goals and then what about like I mean, do you do you have a social life outside of? Um, no, really, no. It just consumes everything that you're doing. Uh, my social life consists of like that of a have. How do you, how do you balance it? Because obviously you've got a, a massive friends circle. I mean, you've got good friends that are around yeah. you. Um, do you ever I, find it I hard to balance your time in the gym and then outside? I don't have an outside really. I don't have uh, my outside is the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, you get your your kicks out with all the lads. Um, yeah, like all the lads are fighting this week now. Um, I'm away down with Sligo. Oh, actually, all the lads are nearly fighting this week out of the gym. It's a pro bellum, isn't it? In, no, it's like a fucking across three shows. We've got um, Cage Conflict, Keith McCabe, and Ivan are on pro bellum. Yeah. Um, you got James Sheen on Cage Warriors down in Manchester. Amazing. Then you got uh, Damn. Okay, my daughter, damn it. Or Isaac, Alex, Lewis. There's about five or six up there. Cage conflict. Peter, yeah. You had Brian Draper, Mark Alvin, and 
uh, Jamie Abbott last week. Me and um, Costly the week before. Costly had a great uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got all them tipping away at the one time. We were all cutting weight together. We were all miserable together. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, that's I, I like. I'd have I'd have sort of three three circles of friends. Uh, my MMA is sort of the main one now at the minute just because I'm around them so much mm. every night of the week or um, then I'd have the lads I grew up with when I was from 16 to about 23, 24 I wouldn't be I wouldn't I'd, I'd, like I'd see them out and i talk to them I'd, I'd be sending them text messages or on Instagram or whatever I don't really get out half of them have two and three kids and gaps and mortgages mm. and you know wives and all that. I don't have that because I'm still rocking up the MMA and then I'd have another group of friends then um, they're a little bit older and uh, they, a lot of them would know Andy a lot of them would know me I'd know them from around the area mm-hmm. from the years so then you'd go for drinks or whatever with them so I'd have a couple of different groups of friends but I'd probably just see the MMA ones the most the lads in the, the, lads in the gym and they're like, they're like the, it's not like they're, they're, they're good friends that's yeah. what I'm saying you make really even if you're even if you're only taking up jiu-jitsu as a, a hobby or whatever, like that, you're going to meet some really cool mm-hmm. people. Like and I, I, I always think it's it's um, any jiu-jitsu ma- I'm ever on, you find the weirdest walks of life. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, mm-hmm. like, say in our gym, you've got one lecturer in, say, UCD. Then you've got me, a plumber, or an MMA fighter, mm-hmm. or a DJ. Then you've got a couple of sparks, butchers, then you've got another one that owns his own shipping company, you've got, you know, there's just a range, you've got yeah. coppers, you've got, yeah. uh, there's just a range yeah. of different people. Once they're all on the mat, everyone has the same fucking crack, yeah. and it's, I just think it's great. It's just brilliant, and it, like, it's like that, um, on anywhere that I've gone before, I think it, it, uh, I trained over an American top team, I trained over in TriStar before, uh, I did a bit, I got one night's training over in, um, uh, oh, Robert Joyce there, he, uh, Barry always would take me down there when we were over in Vegas at the time. And like, it's the same every gym you go mm. to, you'll meet guys there. Even if they're not competition oriented, they're just going to just to do a bit of jiu-jitsu, get out of the house right now. Yeah. Just meet people from mental walks of life that you're like, no, wait, you, that's your job. And they're like, yeah, no. Yeah. And they just they don't think about it as like, yeah. it's just another thing, you know. Yeah. That's why, I re- again, that's why I really like, yeah, I, I really like just get your mate. Just do you not? Or do you not, or do you, or do you again? Do you worry about um, things like having a family or having a wife? If you've, if your peers are in that stage, does it ever? Because I think for women that are in yeah, my age group and your age group, it's very different. Um, I don't worry about it too much. Wait, um, how old are you? Thirty-two. Excuse me, I'm twenty-one. Cheeky, <laughs> this one, huh? Uh, now I'm. Um, I don't really worry about it too much. When it comes, it comes. Uh, it's no sense to me looking for right now, but I've still got, uh, you know, a few years left fighting me, and it's going to take a bomb time. You know, who the fuck wants to put up with anyone training, <laughs> uh, working like 30, 40 hours a week, training uh, fucking 10, 15 hours, 20 hours a week, whatever. Then they're going to be cutting weight on top of, on top of it. They're going to be miserable. They're going to tell you to fuck off when you're eating a bleeding burger in front of them. Who the fuck wants to be with that? So when I'm all said and done, when I can get fat afterwards, uh, <laughs> that's when we'll sit down and, um, <laughs> we look at that scenario, but how would you like to be remembered? Um, when I'm dead, yeah, that I was sound. <laughs> no, um, I don't know, never thought about it too much. I think that's don't what, know. what What would you like people's perception of you to be? I just thought I wasn't a dickhead. <laughs> I think there's enough of them in this world. Uh, I think if you can make uh, 
uh, few people's lives. Um, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna meet fucking a lot of people. You meet a lot of people throughout your life. But I just think if you can, like that, if you can just help as many people as you can go along, um, and just not be an asshole. Yeah, and people just say, Do you know what? Like when you're dead, uh, the best thing I think people can say is he was fucking sound gas fella, and they have a couple of stories to to, to say about you. Yeah. That's uh, that's all anyone can hope for. Um, when they're dead, to be honest, you know what I mean. Um, and have good memories rather than somebody looking at uh, pictures or going, oh, I have to go and see this headstone this weekend. Or, you know, that's yeah, no, it's not for me. Yeah. And um, so some of some memories of being that you helped them once or twice throughout their life. Great. Yeah. Well, I think you're on the right track to hmm. achieving that uh, right there. Um, hopes for the future. Hopes for the future. Personally or professionally, what what comes to mind? Uh, I don't know, maybe. If you, you, were, <laughs> you may ring my number when you do. <laughs> uh, no. Um, <laughs> I've set a couple of goals in mind over the next couple of years. The looks of that mortgage. Um, uh, just, yeah, settle down a little bit. Um, I haven't really thought too much about family uh, yet. I think after fighting, that will, mm-hmm. will eventually come. Um, but yeah, I'll just... <laughs> it's a it's a good one. It's a good one. I don't one. know. Like, I'm gonna, like my, my current um my current goal is what I'm gonna have to eat after this. Because I have sweating here. I have I have an air from like no, I have an air from like eleven o'clock this morning. So like, I'm starving. So like when I walk out here, my next goal is to find a sandwich or something like that. So that's my current goal. Uh, but listen, I was going. What was I going to ask you? Professionally though, uh, getting back and winning wins. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. back fighting. So be the middle of summer or October or yeah. August, whenever Bellator had me back on, uh, not only a win, I want to be, I want to back good performance mm-hmm. to say, you know, yeah. Is there a goal or is there a dream opponent? Dream opponent? Um, well, let's make it interesting, right? Yeah. If you could fight anyone from any promotion, any, I mean, like, go wild here, use your imagination. One person that you'd love to jump into the cage with? Don't really know. That's something you'd have to think. That's something you'd have to just have to spend hours on. Like, like forget weight classes, forget, like, you know, if they're retired now. Who is one person that you've always gone, they're, like, my favourite fighter? Oh, who's my favourite fighter? Um, I have a couple of them. It used to be BJ Penn. When he was like doing the business, just wrecking everybody at one fifty five, one seventy. Um, Were you? What was your um, opinion when he came back? When he came out of retirement, should he have stayed no, in I retirement? No, should have stayed. It, that's yeah. the game. It's not that. It's it's not that. First of all, it was his, his age. You think yeah. he's come back about forty one? Yeah. Um, you can't keep up. You that doesn't matter what you're telling yourself and trying. A forty-one. The, the now I know Yon Romero is forty-one going into a championship fight against Adesanya in a couple of weeks. That's not a here and a there. That guy's a freak. <laughs> but if you come out that like uh, the, the, the thing with Yol is he's he's been regularly competing. Mm. And BJ took that time. He took a good few years off. So it doesn't matter if you're a good jiu-jitsu or good, uh, where a good fighter. You cannot keep up with the twenty-five-year-olds, twenty-three-year-olds coming mm. into the, the, the UFC now. They, uh, uh, or any professional league, or any, 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 any of them, like, they're, they're spending five, six hours in the gym. They've fuck all else to do. They're having a washer. Mm. So their bosses go, get 
do pads in the morning, go for a run, go for um, jiu-jitsu in the evening, um, on the hopes of making it big. BJ is a rich man. Mm. Not only from fighting, his family is rich. Everybody told him when he when he first started out, he didn't need to fight. Mm. His family is loaded, like yeah. really wealthy, um, and he did, and he became one of the best. And then when he when he retired, they said, Look, "Yeah, you don't you don't have to prove that. You were a, you were a champion in two weight divisions." Um, if I think he was the first American to win a Brazilian national uh, jiu-jitsu, and yeah. he got his black belt in three yeah. years. Phenomenal athlete. Mm, unheard of. Yeah, and I think when you come back out of retirement, that fought one, you do your you do your own uh, uh, legacy. Like, I don't I, like, like that. I still remember BJ from when I was. I don't remember. I didn't watch the ones that he came back against. Yeah, uh, who else did he fight? Uh, I know you fought your year and your year went through him for a show yeah. he does crazy stuff and he just I think he's like 25 and he's just like that he's just all mm. flashy spinning elbows up kicks knock cranes on me with an up elbow that type of stuff and you just can't you, you just cannot compete with that not, not at that age you know what I mean but I still remember BJ when he was um, battling punched the head out uh, Matt Hughes and you know Rick's the gloves and yeah. uh, blood all over him <laughs> he was one of my favourites back in the yeah. day I think a lot of a lot of our age group a lot of people grew up and BJ Penn would have BJ been BJ Penn I think like, uh, again it, it, it depends on what type of style you're looking for I think you know good. he had deadly jiu-jitsu that's why I liked mm. it but then you look at Matt Hughes Matt Hughes is like the new guys watching MMA now having a cl- I think I said Matt Hughes in the gym the other day there's a lot of younger guys in the gym. Like like Adam, Adam Darby and Brian Drake and all those guys. I mentioned Matt Hughes before. And uh, Andy goes, yeah, he'd be one of my favourites. Like. And that's, that's that's what we got. It was like, who the fuck's Matt Hughes? No so go and Google Matt Hughes' <laughs> fight. He was huge for the way. And he would just wreck guys from yeah. wrestling. And they'd just go through them for a shock. Or then GSP is another favourite of mine. Um, you know, the list goes on, but they'd probably be top three. And he's... It's got, you know, I interviewed um, Frank Muir on the weekend and that uh, he was talking about like all those like old school heads and mm. like it was just, it's just a different, or it seems like a different like caliber, a different time completely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So good. Brilliant. Um, final question before I let you go, because obviously Shoot. I know you're uh Stab. Well, you're starving. <laughs> <laughs> James, next time I'll have sandwiches, right? Yeah. Um, super, superstar slash MMA for a slash superstar DJ. I always promised Jack cakes I was. <laughs> Not here, mate. Go on. Uh, pick a track, track of the week. Watch track our listeners listen oh. to. Uh, so I stumbled past. Uh, Can I banger. tell you, do you know what song reminds me of you consistently? Every time I hear it, I'm like, Space Cowboy? Yes! Everyone says that. That's the best <laughs> song in the world ever. You've been pumping it's, that. You've yeah, been promoting that song. Jamaicoi should actually be paying you some yeah. kind of like commission. It's it's, do you know what it is? It's a feel good song. It <laughs> brings me back to being on holidays with all the lads. I was about 19 years of age in the likes of a beat Canary. I think we've done Grand <laughs> Canary. Um, and it was, just, it was just a mental time where yeah, you hadn't a care in the world of like my last say couple of calls that have been sort of business not business oriented but serious calls would have been mortgage advisor uh see how my pension plan is gonna um <laughs> fare out in a couple of years you know am i doing the right thing am yeah. i you know they're the calls i'm making these days 
I did not think about <laughs> any of that when I was 16, 19. That hit me as well. So it just, it takes me back to where uh, it just uh, a dip in time. Yeah. And uh, that's why I like it so it's much. It's a bagger. But the, the track I'm feeling at the minute, I stumbled across this the other day, the original. It's, I'm so, like the last couple of years, I've been a DJ, a lot of disco, uh, disco in house and retro house and stuff like that. Uh, for, nobody seems to like it for whatever reason. But I dig it. All of the young kids are fucking listening to that techno. I don't know. Uh, sorry go and listen to a <laughs> tune called it's by Robin Beck and it's called Sweet Talk it's the 12 inch disco funk mix it was made in 1979 so I'm stumbling uh, stumbling across a lot of uh, retro disco tracks like that lately and you play them you can drop that in something like like a house mix or whatever like that and it won't bat nobody bats an eyelid and yeah. it just flows right in and it's a really good track so go check it out or you love a bit of house, or you love a bit of disco, a bit disco, of funk, man. don't it's, you? It's disco and funk. I just think. Uh, I take up the bass reds are in you when you when you retire. I'm not fucking time. Like, <laughs> hmm. Do you get many party requests? Do people be like the reds? Are you wouldn't grab the decks there now and come down? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> sixtieth birthday yeah, and all. Stick an MP3 on your pox bottle, you know. Just. <laughs> I I do my night in the in the cock and ball every week and then uh this week I'm in uh Club twenty two up on South Ann Street. So Daddy. I'm there this week if anyone wants to pop boy and don't ask me for a song because I will not play it. Yeah. Uh, so you will be told no. What's uh, the worst song that you get asked to play? Beyonce single uh, ladies, I guarantee it. No, it's like Oh, no, it's not. So they got this group or band or DJ O seven O is the name of them. Don't know who they are bunch of shit houses. <laughs> they made this track called Honey and it is the worst track you will ever hear in your whole entire life. If, if you want to hear, if you want to have your ears bleed, go and listen to that track. <laughs> it is terrible. But I get, it's like the Kulak National Anthem and they ask me every week, Chris, and like, May, I have deleted that off my laptop. I do not longer have that in the vicinity of this area. So, either you get new tunes or don't ever request that song ever again. <laughs> And they look at me, I say, I have a half head. And I'm saying, and they, they, they think I'm messing. And I'm like, oh, I'm not messing. I'm not playing that track. It's slow elbow into the side of the head. Get out of here. I just, I don't, I refuse. <laughs> and they're like, you're a shy DJ. I'm like, oh, you do not care. I don't care. I don't care. I get paid right away. So please leave me alone. They're going to be queuing up now. You know, but if you want to get brain damage, go and listen to that track. They'll be all checking it out. <laughs> well, listen, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. I had a bit of crack. That was good. I was glad to get you on. Yep. Um, was it all right? Did you enjoy? Yeah, I had a bit of crack. Yeah, it was good. Still, was nice to like it. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, thank you very much. Look forward to uh, your announcement the next fight. We'll leave you off for a bit, let yeah. you get back to things. And then your next outing is BJJ Outliers. Uh, yeah, uh, Kieran Davern's uh, show, and I think it's on the 28th of March in Port Arlington. So it's Nogi Jiu-Jitsu, right? Nogi Jiu-Jitsu for the 77 uh, Outliers title. Lovely, brilliant. Yep. Well, thank you very much. Paul Redmond for the first exchange.